Welcome to Texoga Talks, where energy meets insight. The purpose of this podcast is to provide you with a candid conversation about our energy needs, our energy security, and your energy future. Texas oil and natural gas have made our nation the world's energy leader. Constantly innovating and investing to fuel the economy, protect the environment, and power the world. This industry is fast-paced, high-tech, and essential to improving modern life. And we're here to talk about it. You're listening to Texoga Talks, where energy meets inside. And we are so delighted you're back with us today to talk about the future of Texas, the future of oil and natural gas, and how oil and natural gas continues to power modern life. I'm excited again to be here today with Shana Joyce, uh, the Director of Government Regulatory Affairs for the Texas Oil and Gas Association. I'm excited to be here talking about something very important today. Well, Shane, I got to tell you, this is kind of like the Super Bowl. This is the main event for me. It's early voting, and I can't tell you how exciting that is. I'm kind of a junkie with this stuff because it's so important to our future, and it's important to every man, woman, and child in America I hope everybody is really getting focused on voting this week. That's right. I haven't voted today, but you're right. It's the beginning of early voting. And um, I like that we have so many options here in Texas. We have a a good two-week window to early vote and lots of different options within your town or in your county to vote. It's called no excuse early voting. You don't need it. It used to be back in the old days, not that I remember it was around then, but you used to have to say I'm out of town or things like that. But now it's, it's no excuse voting. So that means no one has an excuse. You can just go vote. That's right. Vote early, vote often. Oh, there we go. There's a lot on the ballot. There's a lot that's going to be um, impacting your future. And, you know, I think about politics. Some people are kind of bummed out. They see the, some things that they don't approve of, maybe. They're probably getting a lot of text on their phone the last couple of days. You're in, your mailbox is full of things. But here's the thing. Engaging in politics is as American as apple pie and baseball. Uh, Engaging in the political atmosphere is means I care about who's representing me and I care about what direction my country or my state or my county or my city is going. And uh, that's why everyone really needs to participate. Being involved in politics is like the Liberty Bell or uh, the 4th of July, it's that basic. Absolutely, and you know, you hear that, that phrase often, all politics is local. And that's right. We think about, we hear a lot of rhetoric about the presidential races and stuff like that. But I think when it really, you know, when you really, really whittle it down, it's those local races that are super important to our state. And to when we talk about Texas oil and gas, to the Texas oil and gas industry as well. That's right. Every part of our lives, from constable to sheriff to, um, you know, your justice of the peace, a lot of those things are on the ballot and you need to find out. And we're going to tell you today where you can go to find out more information about your ballot and your races. And we hope you get involved. That's right. I think, though, before we get started on that, um, let's talk a little bit about you've been um, you've been a statewide elected official, but you've also been a local elected official. You were a city councilman, right? I was. You were also a state representative and a state senator. And so I was just wondering what what sparked you to want to run for office and be a representative of, of the people in the place where you live? You know, that uh, there's three distinct times in my life where I remember things occurring. And, I, and just real briefly, when I was in the fourth grade, 
my mother uh, took us uh, for two weeks out of school. That's that's something to remember. I was really excited about that. <laughs> my uncle was stationed in Maryland. He was in the United States Navy. And my mother took us around all the, the Washington, D.C., uh, Smithsonian, Washington Monument, Lincoln Memorial, Arlington Cemetery. And I just remember as a fourth grader, thinking about the contributions that were made so that we could enjoy what we have today. And that may sound kind of weird that somebody thought a fourth grader really would, but I started paying attention. When I was a sophomore in high school, I had um, people come to me and there was a guy that was running for state representative. He was challenging an incumbent, which is kind of unusual, right? Right. But they came to me and said, this guy named Elton Bomer, which it's an unusual name for me. <laughs> and I, I thought, well, who's Elton Bomer? So I checked him out. I ended up being his youth coordinator Elton uh, served uh, with a record of distinction in the Texas House of Representatives. He became a senior advisor to Governor George W. Bush. He served as the Texas Secretary of State. And that was a sophomore in high school. And then as a senior in high school, we had a government teacher come to a few of us and said, I have some tickets to the presidential inaugural activities of Ronald Reagan, wow. our 40th president of the United States. I meant to ask you if you knew what number he was. Dang, I missed the pop time. quiz oh, here today. I'm sure there's another one coming up at some point. <laughs> but, yeah, that was right. We're going to have some. <laughs> but I mean, to to attend those activities firsthand as, as someone that was young at that time, it really made an impression on me that we all need to give back. We all need to be involved and we can make a difference in our future by participating in the electoral process. That's but right. I'm you kind of have a bug about this too. I bet you have a story yourself. Well, uh, when I was in fifth grade, Bob Dole was running for president and uh, we had someone at our church and she gave me a, like a pack of stickers, you know, the long stickers you can just peel off. And I wore a Bob Dole sticker every day. That's and great. when I was in high school, my government teacher as well, uh, I not, was nominated to go in this National Young Leaders Conference and got to go to DC and you experienced all three branches of government in different ways. And I really thought, wow, this is, this is something I really think I want to do. But when I was there, there there was a fire drill on Capitol Hill, and I just so happened to be standing next to Bob Dole and got to meet him. You are kidding me. No, so it was totally oh, full great. circle. And so you're right. There's something I think a lot of us have within us that that's, what, that's why we do what we do. And there's a common theme here. Someone got you involved, mm -hmm. right? Someone got me involved. They said, hey, you need to take, you ought to consider doing this. And so if you're listening today and you're a parent, Bring your children to the Texas State Capitol that we're literally sitting here on the doorstep of as we're doing this episode. Uh, get Take them through the Texas State Capitol. If you have an opportunity to go to Washington, D.C., show them the formation of our government. You know, the Boston Tea Party was a bunch of folks that got fed up with the way that government was operating and they took action. Today, we don't have to dump tea in a harbor anywhere, but we can get organized and we can get involved. And we've got some statistics today that we'll hopefully go through and show people just how impactful it is when you do make a difference. That's right. So, Todd, we just talked a second ago about um, some statistics that you wanted to go over today um, that I think will help motivate people to go early vote or to go vote on Election Day. And Election Day is? March 5th. Bingo. Okay. You got it right. <laughs> so, you have it. So, early voting is like a two-week period preceding the election day for the primary. You get to vote. If you're a Democrat, you vote in the Democrat primary. If you're a Republican, you can vote in the Republican primary and choose who represents you. But we mentioned numbers and statistics. I really believe numbers tell a very powerful story. And for audio listeners, you can go to the um, 
show notes, and there's going to be a link to this document that we're going to go through here, Shana. And this document is a table that goes through the election year 2008, all the way up to even a recent constitutional amendment election that was held uh, just this past November That's in, right. in 2023. So what these numbers are telling us, and that I think is every listener, I hope, hope you're listening, what this says is you can have an outsized influence and who represents you at the local level, at the state level, and even at the national level. So just going here to 2023 on the constitutional amendments, there were several provisions that voters voted on to amend the state constitution. So Shana, tell the listeners how many registered voters there were in 2023 for that election. 17,759,273. So there's little less than 18 million voters, right? That's right. So I want you to know, listeners, 2.5 million people voted. Mm -hmm. Being the math whiz that you are, I'm sure you know, that's about 14%. Okay. So what that means is 86% of the people of Texas that are registered to vote didn't even cast their voice on important issues like, are we going to have a reliable electricity grid and have an energy fund that's going to encourage dispatchable energy, which did pass overwhelmingly. Right. But that's a big deal when, you know, over 80% of the people, eight out of 10 people just didn't bother to vote. Okay, let's go down to 2022. That was the race uh, for governor. Um, that was a race uh, when Beto O'Rourke challenged Governor Greg Abbott and in the primary, only 17% of the people voted and turned out. A little less than 2 million in the Republican primary, about a million in the Democratic primary, and there were about 17.7 million registered voters then, China. So the point I want to make here is that in Texas, there's how many state representative seats, China? This is quiz time again. Texas House seats. Oh, Texas House seats, 150. Okay, there you go. All right. And how many state senators are there? 31. All right, there you go. That good. A good, good, good. It's going to be review time uh, for the old job position if you got those wrong, right? That's right. So here's the thing. Most of those seats are decided in the primary. I mean, there's a few seats that are competitive this November, and we'll be talking about those in voting in November. But the point is, whoever is chosen in most of these districts, either in a Democratic primary or the Republican primary, is going to probably be the person that's going to represent you. And so if we just go down this list here, in 2018, only 16% of Texans voted in the primary. The high mark was in 2008 who voted in the primary. There were 13.6 million registered voters. 31% of Texans voted in that primary. That's the high mark. The low mark for primaries was about 14% of registered voters. So you know, what this tells me is there's this great show. It's called an election primary and the advertising's not working because nobody's showing up to vote. That's why we're doing this today is to remind you, you can make a difference in your future if you take the time to go vote. I was going to add that when you, especially on these state house races or even your local elections, when you look at the margins of 
it's it's votes. You know, it's, it's tens of votes that can make the difference between the two, um, especially when we talk about special elections, when someone, you know, um, ends up giving up their seat or moving on to a different um, office, you have a special election for that. And then you see the difference and how few vote in those very important races. It's it's staggering. You hit the nail on the head because in, 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 in the statistics back you up there, too, there was a recent uh, race for a North Texas state representative seat. And I want to say the difference in the turn in the in the actual vote count was just over a hundred. And we're talking out of um, I don't know, it was like six or seven thousand people voted in that election. And so you just had a little over a hundred people that could go on either way. In my first race for state representative, it was a special election. So it was a three-way race, and I avoided a runoff with about sixty something votes. I mean, that's saying something. <laughs> I mean, that, thank goodness, thank thank you uh, that that turned out that way because it was it was close, but it makes a difference, really and does. every vote does count. That's right. So, if you miss the deadline for uh, to register to vote in the primary, you can still register to vote in the general election. That is November fifth, Tuesday, November fifth. Um, you have until October 7th to register to vote. And then early voting starts October 21st. And this graphic, too, that has all the important dates will also be on the link in our show notes. And just to recap those dates, early voting is underway now. Early voting ends Friday, March the 1st. So you need to be certain and get by your local place to vote on Friday, March the 1st. And then Tuesday, March 5th is Election Day this primary. Those are those are important dates. I'm glad you pointed them out. That's right. And if you need to know more information about where to look, you can go to the Texas Secretary of State's website at votetexas.gov. That's right. So as someone who has been on the ballot many times, um, let's talk a little bit about why it's important to vote. We've, we've kind of touched on it, but I wanted to see if you had any other expanding thoughts on that. Well, there are issues that really affect every family. Um, the tax rate, uh, the quality of our schools, uh, funding for our roads, uh, law enforcement that is so vital to support and attract men and women who defend our lives and our way of life are all decided by people that you vote for. And if you care about the quality of services you have, whether it's those categories I mentioned, or maybe your local water and sewer rates are affected by the people on your city council. And that's why you need to take the time to vote. And, and again, we're busy. Look, we're working. We're raising kids. You got to go to soccer practice, baseball. There's a ton of things to do. You might be involved in your church and just a lot of different activities. But if you're not involved politically and you're not taking the time to vote, all that we enjoy can evaporate. Because I've had the opportunity and been fortunate to travel abroad and see a lot of different things. As, as Commissioner of Agriculture, uh, we went to um, Iraq to help as part of the rebuilding process and toured the country. And um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a great time, Shana. We, had, we were in a, a bulletproof suburban, wow. and we had two former uh, British soldiers that were uh, our guides and taking us around along with the U.S. military. But the thing that was so sad to me is that when we got out on the road, they blew a horn and flashlights, and then all the locals had to just get over and move out of the way. And I remember seeing a couple in a car with, with several cars, and you could tell they had just gotten married. And their way of life is just upside down because you just can't imagine in America having to get out of the way for a convoy to come through as a daily part of our lives. 
And I know that's a long way from happening here, but I think about Venezuela, who has the most oil reserves of just any place in the world, and they rank 20th in production. It's because they don't have the governance structure. They don't have accountability. They don't, they don't have a, the opportunity to choose their leaders like we do. And that can all go away. And, and I love Mexico and our friends there. And many people have family there. They're a great trading partner. But their form of government and the drug cartels and the activity, it, you know, we clean this up in America. We don't stand for that. And that's because people will be voted out of office, voted into office. And that's what we're trying to protect is our way of life. Absolutely. So in thinking about what you just said, how does that apply to the oil and natural gas industry? Well, the oil and natural gas industry is granted a social license to operate uh, by government, uh, just like if you are a lawyer or you are a real estate broker or if you're a cosmetologist, there are licenses that state government grants to do business. And uh, oil and gas is granted a license to do business. And today we have a lot of misinformation occurring about the important role that oil and gas plays in literally fueling our lives. So, you know, and we're going to be talking to Dr. Foreman a little bit later on, I think, about some of those things, about how that can be restricted and the negative impact that has on jobs, that it has on tax revenue that's going to uh, our, our local and state and federal government. We mentioned on a previous episode the historic amount of money that oil and gas paid in state and local taxes and state royalties just last year, and that number was? $26.3 billion. Boom, you yes. got it. That's $26.3 billion, Shana. That's $72 million a day that's funding our roads, funding our universities, funding our local uh, law enforcement and first responders. That's why it's important, oil and gas, that you vote, because I'd like to see pro-energy, pro-business voters. And I say pro-business in the sense that this is America, you can, uh, you know, buy a pickup and a lawnmower and go into business for yourself, which I did a lot of times as a kid. We were, we were in the tree business. We were cutting down trees and hauling brush. My dad thought that there was no days off except Sunday. And then we had to do things at the farm <laughs> then. But, I mean, it was great because it's America and you can do that. And you just can't do that in all these countries. And I'd like to protect that. I love that. So we talked about the number of registered voters earlier, and we went over that in those different elections. And Secretary of State Nelson actually just released the numbers. 17.9 um, million registered voters ahead of the March 5th primary. So how is one of those individuals that's registered, how do they make a difference at the polls? Well, that's a great question. But you said uh, Secretary of State who? Nelson. Jane Nelson. That's right. Jane and I served in the state senate together. It's so funny not to call her Senator Nelson and her right? Secretary <laughs> of State. It's it, see, Jane Nelson is a great example of continuing to give back and to serve. She served with distinction as a member of the Senate, but she continues to serve. Now, not everybody can be Secretary of State. We only have one, but it's easier than ever today to be involved. You had someone at your church give you a roll of stickers of Bob Doe stickers, right? And you, you wore those every day to school and different places you went. Today, probably everyone listening has a Facebook account. If you don't have a Facebook account, you may be on X. I still like to call Twitter. Oh, I'm sorry. Twitter for me. Uh, Instagram. <laughs> There's a lot of different ways that you can share with your friends and family who you think should be registered to vote. I mean, for instance, um, I'm the treasurer of the Texas Oil and Gas Association Good Government Committee, which is a separate 
entity from Texoga, but we have uh, a website, texogapac.org, that lists the candidates that are supported uh, by the Texoga PAC. Uh, there are many different places like that. But look, these candidates need someone to help hold their signs at the polls. Mm -hmm. You can just take a yard sign and put in your yard for the candidates that you support. There's bumper stickers that you can put on your car. It's just, it's easy to get involved and you can go to a, a town hall meeting. You can go to a reception for a candidate and learn more about them. And you might even get some good to eat while you're there. They usually are putting out some kind of food, which is all, always an enticement for me, Shana. Same. Definitely same. So we talked about almost 18 million registered voters. How many of those folks are in oil and gas and how does that affect them? So in fiscal year 2023, there were a little over 480,000 people that got a direct paycheck from oil and gas. If you happen to be one of those individuals that's involved in oil and gas today, here's the thing. You have a family, you have friends. Uh, if you encourage just your immediate family and your close circle of friends Let's say that's three people. It's real small. If you get three people to go vote times the almost five, that's 1.5 million people. That's almost as many that votes in one of the primaries, Shana. Right. Not only do we have 480,000 people that get a direct paycheck from oil and gas, but there's an entire supply chain of people that support oil and gas. That's about another million plus people. So you could see very easily, not even inflated math or fuzzy math here, <laughs> that you could have three or four million people if you're voting pro-energy, pro-oil and gas, you can really shape the future. And Texas is an oil and gas state, but things are changing. There's some weird ideals out there. There's some things coming down the federal government that is really limiting uh, our ability to produce the oil and gas and have the level of energy security that we need. So I encourage everyone that's listening today to really, hey, focus on three people that, that might not vote, make sure they do, vote in the primary, and you can make a difference. That's right. So if you're um, not sure who represents you, you can go to wrm.capital.texas.gov. That's who represents me. Um, so you can know what districts you are uh, located in, and that will help guide you into seeing who's running for those individual offices. What is that? What's that again? I hadn't heard of that one. It's who represents me, yep. but it's wrm.capital.texas.gov. Oh, that's good. I, I've heard of who represents me. Because all you have to do is type in your zip code, right? I think you just so, put your actual address because yeah. there are some, um, because of districting lines, yes, you right. need your actual address so that you know exactly who represents and you. And they don't spam you or anything like that. That's right. I don't, that I know of. <laughs> they don't spam <laughs> no, you, no. they don't. But I, I, I've used that before because I didn't know that was WRM. WRM. Who represents me? That's good. That's capital, good. Texas. No, no excuse. No Not excuses. <laughs> So let's take a quick break to hear from the our sponsor this week, Texoga's Workers' Comp Safety Group. And when we return, we will have Dr. Dean Foreman, Texoga's chief economist, join us with the Foreman's Four. So the Texas Oil and Gas Association Workers' Compensation Safety Group gives a group member a premium discount based on the premium of the entire group, regardless of individual premium size. Eligible policyholders can earn an additional discount by participating in the Texas Mutual Insurance Company's Worker Comp Healthcare Network. I also encourage our listeners to visit texogainsurance.com. So, Dr. Dean Foreman, thank you for being here again. You're joining us each month to give us a rundown of your industry highlights that you think we should know about. Dr. Foreman, you have identified four 
key elements this month that the listeners should focus on that's happening in the oil and gas industry. And so I've looked at your first one. It looks like I know that uh, there's been a ban on LNG export approvals that's been in the news quite a bit. What are your thoughts there? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, that's a hot issue, and it's really been dominating the headlines of the last three to four weeks. Here's some background on it, right? So the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and the Department of Energy have historically been charged with approving the exports of liquefied natural gas, or LNG. And this has grown tremendously over time. In recent months, the U.S. has been exporting 12 to 13 billion cubic feet per day of natural gas via LNG nationwide. And this is poised by official estimates to grow by 9, 10 billion cubic feet per day over the next seven or so years out to 2030. Now, what happened, though, at the January 26th, the Biden administration, White House puts out an announcement saying no more approvals, indefinite freeze on them. And what's at stake? Let's talk about that for a second, because just constructing those terminals is a $50 billion issue. Put it in context with what you were talking about, that the oil and gas industry in Texas paid a record high $26 billion. This is almost twice that, right? Just for construction of terminals, it's mainly a Texas and Louisiana issue, less of a federal issue, even though they have authority over the exports. But it hits us hard here at home. And on top of this, it's not just the $50 billion for the exports. We're talking about needing to expand all of the natural gas production in Texas by 20%. We've got pipelines and natural gas processing and all the jobs through the supply chain that go with that. This is a $200 billion issue, primarily for Texas and Louisiana, so really high stakes. On top of that, when we turn to the rationale that the Biden administration gave, their main reason was they were afraid that the exports would drive up prices. And this is really curious timing because we're sitting here early to mid-February with adjusting for inflation in real terms, the single lowest natural gas prices in the last 30 years for February. Yeah. So there's really no reason from that standpoint. And I did research on this last year that was published and we just updated it and it's being published again this week, but doing two things, really looking carefully at the relationship of LNG exports to domestic natural gas prices in a correlation sense. And then in more of a causality sense, a formal econometric model to measure carefully all the things that really do properly explain natural gas prices domestically, side by side with the LNG exports. And what you see definitively is that there is no significant or sustained relationship on a correlation basis over time. And when you properly specify and explain the things that do forecast accurately natural gas prices, LNG exports aren't one of them. So this is really interesting because it says that it's completely vacuous, the idea that I'm doing this to, to hold prices down. It really is a separate agenda, but it's a really critical one for Texas. And I've read that report, Dr. Foreman, and it'll be on Texas website before too long. And it's very conclusive that exporting LNG does not inflate those prices. And Congress actually just passed legislation that Congress did and the House of Representatives did. They passed a bill that would move that regulation to grant export uh, license for LNG permits to FERC, who also already has a role there. So they their attempt was to depoliticize it somewhat. 
So since we're talking about voting, this you might want to look and see how your United States congressman voted on this particular issue that was recent. Excellent. Okay, Formans Four, we've got one down. The second Formans Four, Texas financial contributions versus federal returns. Yeah, so the first issue kind of in queuing my mind was thinking about what is it that Texas gives and what do we get from the federal government? And the Rockefeller hard Institute. Time. Let's just get to the chase on that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I was just thinking that the the LNG decision came down on my birthday. I don't really appreciate that birthday, birthday present. present. I know. Oh, I don't want okay. that. Return uh, it. All right. Something serious here. But $184 billion for the Rockefeller Government Institute, excuse me, Institute of Government. That's what Texans have provided to the federal government. That's a net. net. That's a net balance of payments per their estimate in the most recent data. And we were talking last year about a similar issue with the International Monetary Fund and the federal funding. And keep in mind, Texas is 8 to 9% of federal receipts you know, from a tax standpoint. That's another $13 billion out of Texas that's gone toward the International Monetary Fund, which, designed to be a neutral institution, has actually been very much a climate advocate and trying to advocate for less lending and less insurance underwriting for the oil and gas industry. So here, with the federal government taking a very partisan view against LNG exports, with the National Monetary Fund trying to make it financially more difficult in the U.S. and around the world to develop oil and gas and fossil fuels in general, I think voters really need to think about first interacting with and you know, being vocal with our federal officials and our elected state officials to voice the fact that this isn't in Texas's interest. It's not for, for the people that are likely to turn out in the primaries. You know, we're talking about the three million that might could. That's really important. It's I, our job. It makes me want to go vote right now. Stop recording and let's go vote. When you think about the kind of money that's flowing out of Texas, seems like we want to be not such a, and we want to help. You know, we want to help, but that's that's a lot of money. Thinking about that money that's flowing out, Dr. Foreman, we've talked about Texas financial contributions. We've talked about LNG export approvals. What about oil and gas price impact and, and how that affects Texas? Really important. And let's just look out the window today. Oil's sitting $79 a barrel. Natural gas at these record lows, you know, under today, under $1.60 per million BTU. And what that means for Texas is if we look at drilling activity and, and the pulse of the industry, on the oil side and the Permian Basin, the drilling's pretty much been steady you know, in this high 70s per barrel range. We've seen 274 oil-directed rigs, meaning drilling rigs that are specifically targeting oil resources, and they're going to get some gas as a byproduct of that. But the Permian Basin's held up well. But these low natural gas prices at these record low levels mean dedicated drilling for natural gas is really hurting. So good for the Permian Basin, not so good for the Eagleford or East Texas in the Haynesville area, where the rig activity year to date, just in the first six weeks here, is down 20 to 25%. So a really big deal for Texas in terms of these. Growth is not guaranteed. That's what I'm hearing Dr. Foreman say. And and policy can either promote prosperity or it can exactly. hinder it. And um, so that's, that's very important. I love the final point here. I got to tell you, sticky, I think about, Getting too much syrup on the pancakes here at breakfast when I think about <laughs> sticky right now. Sticky price inflation, high interest rates, and the U.S. dollar. Thank you. We're going to unpack something that's one of the most common questions asked, but it's a macro issue if we zoom out to it that pretty much everybody can relate to. And when we talk about the prices and where they are 
Everybody's been Fed watching very carefully, waiting for interest rate cuts, right? And the economic growth numbers, like we talked about in the last episode where I was on, have been really strong through year end and all these forecasts have been upgraded. And what that means is that the Federal Reserve is less likely to cut rates, at least as much and as soon as people were hoping for on that basis. Well, what are the impacts of that? And if you start thinking about it, first at the business and household levels, roughly, roughly, the International Monetary Fund and others have, Bank of International Settlements, have quantified some $5 trillion worth of global debt corporately that must be refinanced this year at these higher rates. And that effectively triples the rates that these, you know, the short-term refinancing had historically been at. So two things. The Bank for International Settlements has shown this is disproportionately affects small and medium-sized businesses. That's one. The other is that the train of this when it comes through means the lower your credit rating, the higher the rates. This has a follow-on impact that's really important. And at the household level, the New York Federal Reserve Bank, they do credit monitoring, quantified as of the fourth quarter that there was $17.5 trillion worth of consumer credit debt between mortgages, auto loans, credit cards, all of that, never higher. So this tells the Federal Reserve that even if the economy is chugging along, and those who've been following Texas's chart book and all the indicators that we follow each week, it's not a surprise, right, that, that the economy has been strong, that price inflation, as you're saying, has been sticky. And it's been our view for a long time that price inflation would be sticky because we're going through a transition where whether it's chips, rare earth minerals, things that are in short supply and coming out of the pandemic, all the workforce and supply chain issues, there are reasons, real ones, why prices have remained elevated. Well, this debt overhang and having to deal both at a household and a corporate level with eventual higher rates and refinance that says eventually they must. They must cut rates. It's just a question of how much. And then when that happens, there's a traditional cascade effect here where the term is hot money chases interest rates. So if you think about banks internationally, where they send their capital, if interest rates go up in the United States, they buy more dollars it, and the dollar gets stronger versus other currencies around the world and vice versa. So now as we start cutting rates, when that happens, the dollar has pressure to depreciate versus the currencies of our trading partners. And historically, when we look at the relationship now to oil, we see that historically as the dollar gets weaker, oil prices tend to go up. And part of that's because oil is traded in dollars. Part of it is a commodity pricing effect and how you hedge uh, exchange rate risk vis-a-vis -vis commodities. And as that plays out, then that's a really important dynamic to keep in mind if the dollar starts moving down markedly. Today, as we sit, the dollar's near its historic highs. That's not likely to persist forever. So really good time for that European vacation, but I mean, <laughs> maybe not in a year. That sounds pretty good to me right now. Uh, you know, our voters, you can't vote on the Fed. You can't vote on their decisions on interest rates. But decisions of political leaders does impact inflation about government spending and Absolutely. all those kinds yes. of things. You heard it from Dr. Dean Foreman himself, Foreman's Ford. Love it. Thank you, Dean. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I just also want to remind our listeners that if you um, want to look at any of the awesome charts and graphs and statistics that uh, Dr. Dean Foreman puts um, together 
each week and month, um, you can go to um, texoga.org slash economics for those. I also found out recently he is a LinkedIn influencer. Ooh. So definitely follow him on LinkedIn, <laughs> right. which I'm very, I was like, hey, whoa, they have an influencer <laughs> in our knew? office. Who, Who knew? knew? That's great. <laughs> So, Todd, we've talked about a lot of really important topics today, especially voting being the number one. So I just wanted to ask if you had any departing words of wisdom for our listeners. Look, I think it's just so important that each of us take this uh, responsibility, this opportunity, really this privilege to vote very personally and help get out the vote. Let's build a stronger, cleaner, better Texas uh, and make your voice heard. Love it. I couldn't have said it better myself. So as a reminder, visit texoga.org if you'd like to learn more about the Texas oil and natural gas industry um, and its essential role in our modern lives. And then also follow us on our social media channels, Twitter, I'm still calling it Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, and if you'd like um, what you've heard, please remember to subscribe. Um, you can do it on Spotify. It's pretty cool. Um, or whatever your uh, listening app is. Well, you said it all, and thank you all for listening today to Texoga Talks, where energy meets insight. The views expressed on this podcast are not intended and should not be construed to be the views of any particular Texoga member or company. The purpose of this podcast is to engage in candid conversations about energy needs, energy security, and the future of energy. 